It's FM 104's Switched On, Kieran in for Louise this evening. So India has become the fourth country to land on the surface of the moon. The Chandranan 3 spacecraft made a soft landing on the lunar surface. The probe defeated all odds on Wednesday after it managed to successfully land on the south pole of the moon, beating competing nations to a strategically important site on the lunar surface. With the landing, India has now become the fourth nation after Russia, the USA and China to land on the moon. Now a lunar rover slid down the ramp from the lander of India's spacecraft within hours of his historic touchdown and Indian space officials confirmed on Thursday that it was a massive, massive success and it's been celebrated pretty much not just in India but around the world as well. So to discuss this and more, I am joined by CEO and editor of Astronomy Ireland magazine, David Moore. David, hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know a whole lot about space or astronomy outside of watching Apollo 13. Not that much do I know about this. But Indian spacecraft and Indian space travel, um, there was no men on this particular um, mission. But where has this come from? This is kind of out of left field for me. Yes, I mean, India has just become the most populous nation on the planet, hitting around the 1.5 billion citizens mark and overtaking China. And it's had a space program running in the background since the 1960s. And to get to the moon is is sort of a big feather in your cap. Only China, Russia and the Americans have done it uh, so far. So they've joined a pretty elite club. And, you know, it's like they're coming up in a race on the inside track and not only firmly putting their own mark on the fact that India is here in space, which everybody believes is the future of the human race, uh, but also that they've got big plans to do it and they can do it a lot cheaper than anybody else. They spent around $75 million getting to the moon. It's hard to put, say, a communication satellite into low Earth orbit a thousand times closer (laughs) for twice that price. So what's remarkable is that, first of all, they've got so far out to the moon and they've done it on such a budget, which bodes well for, you know, when you want to get lots of people into space, which is what private individuals like Elon Musk with SpaceX and Jeff Bezos with his Blue Origins uh, space companies are trying to do as well. It's what NASA wants also. NASA is now contracting out a lot of its work to private companies. And the idea is it will boost private industry doing the wrong thing in space. So that puts the whole... India uh, arriving at the moon in context. It's the next stepping stone to the exploration of space, especially for people, and ultimately to go on to Mars, which will happen, people argue, in a few decades, or is it longer than that, but almost certainly by the end of this century. And not to go on too long, but one huge statement that sticks with me was nearly 10 years ago now, when Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk stood on stage in a public event and said that they were going to put one million people on Mars by the end of this century. Now, there's been nobody on Mars, nobody's even orbited Mars, and they're going to land a million people on it? Sounds crazy, but they're the world's two richest men who own space companies, literally putting their money where their mouth is. So there's a big future for space, and India is definitely part of it. It's very exciting, actually. How did India, though, manage to do this? this cheaply like are the figures reported can they be believed well i I suppose in some of these very large countries the the costs of living are much lower than they are in in western countries 
uh, you'd be probably better off asking a macroeconomist why that is than an astronomer. <laughs> but they do seem to be able to do things a lot cheaper. Labor, obviously, is a lot cheaper. Your scientists and engineers aren't being paid the huge amounts of money that they're paid in by comparison in Western society. So that certainly contributes because ultimately you're not putting much on the moon, you know, a few kilograms. Now you've got a few tons, uh, hundreds of tons of rockets being launched, all right, but most of that is fuel. And then you've got complicated mechanical systems and computer systems to control these enormously powerful rockets. I mean, they're like controlling a nuclear bomb as it's being released. So all the energy goes into upward motion and not an explosion, hopefully, which does happen sometimes. Didn't happen in this particular case. And of course, India tried uh, four years ago, 2019, and that mission to the land on the moon failed. But uh, the Russians, actually, just a few days before India, they tried to land on the moon again uh, after they'd last done it 47 years previously, and they failed. So if Russia, who are brilliant at, sp at space science, can fail, and the Indians and Chinese recently have succeeded, then it shows two things. One, it's a bit of a dangerous industry to be in. It's not easy, even with the world's best scientists and engineers. And secondly, that so many countries, big countries, are trying to get to the moon. And they're telling us that secret, which is that the future is space. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be biased talking about space. But serious business people have said, who have no particular associate affiliation to space interests, have said that they reckon the world's first trillionaire is going to be a space entrepreneur. So any budding business people listening in, take up an interest in space. Why not join Astronomy Island? We'll keep you posted on what's going on for sure. So like, I'm always um, very conscious when I'm talking about space and um, that I don't make it sound like Star Wars or Star Trek, right? And it, 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 It's just sometimes you go into that place. But the moon, like, could it actually be a base for future places to launch missions to Mars and a further afield. Is that kind of what they want? Do they want to create like a base on the moon? Yes, definitely. And that's the stated aim, for instance, of NASA, who last year launched the Artemis mission. So there's three, three important steps in those three missions, Artemis 1, 2, and 3. And that is the first one, to build a giant rocket that can take people, which are heavy. You need a lot more infrastructure than you do for a little lander that India put on the moon. And so they flew the unmanned craft that can carry people around the moon and brought it back safely. Great. The billions they spent works. Artemis 2, probably go up late next year. It is going to carry people. They're not going to attempt to land, but they're going to make sure that all the life support systems work again, go around the moon. And then uh, probably 2025, 2026, we expect the first manned mission will land on the surface of the moon uh, with. NASA have said they put 12 men on the moon back in the 60s and 70s. They want to fix that and have the first uh, woman on the moon and the first person of color on the moon, and probably a few men as well. And that is to, is to get ready to set up a base to have an orbiter going around the moon, that's a, a, a space station, if you like, and a base on the moon. And the reason why India has gone to the South Pole of the moon rather than anywhere else, the South Pole is a bit tricky to get to, is that that's where we think there's water. There are deep craters on the South Pole of the moon that the sun never gets into, so it can't vaporize them. So there could actually be at least easily accessible quantities of water, maybe even a solid ice lying on the surface that could be mined 
and used, first of all, to keep astronauts alive. They definitely need water. It's very expensive to fly water from the Earth to the moon. And also for rocket fuel. And it's very simple to make hydrogen and oxygen, which is rocket fuel, out of water. Water is H2O. All you need to do is pass an electric current through it. And the sunlight is beaming on the moon. There's no clouds all the time. So you can easily split this water up into rocket fuel. So you've got rocket fuel for to feed the rockets, water to feed the humans, a bit of food, maybe a few billion dollars, and you're off to Mars. <laughs> Just a few billion dollars. You made it sound so easy and simple up until the few billion dollars. But hey, look, Elon Musk and whoever, they've got enough money to spare. I'm sure they can spare a couple of quid and, and help it all do it. It's is it, is it slightly concerning that we're not all doing this all together. You know, we have these separate countries doing it separately. There is always a concern there that, I mean, look, there's already weapons in space. Could could like is is that a massive concern that it's there is actually going to be like a Star Wars scenario in space? It is a little, and uh, um, the one good thing about it is that. With all the problems that Russia's been having with the, most of the rest of the world recently in the last year or so, uh, one thing that's continued is the Russian and American collaboration in space. And just last, uh, just this weekend, we saw the launch of a new crew to the International Space Station, which has Russians and Americans still working alongside each other. There would have been a lot of political pressure to do something there, which would have really been silly scientifically and in terms of the future of civilization because the international space station is our first manned outpost in space it will go down in history and they're still working together they even launched together over the weekend despite what's happening in, in between the two let's say seats of government so that gives you a little bit of hope for hu humankind that when you put the politics aside people still want to explore space at that level now they've all got billions of dollars rubles investment in this thing so uh, but often silly things can happen in politics that aren't good for the exploration of space shall we say and that's not happening and that fills you with a little bit of hope for the future uh, the international space station's up there for over 20 years and so it, it, it predates the current people in power shall we say and the current issues and hopefully taking a longer term view people should go to the moon together that would be the, the hope of the scientists and engineers. Whether it ha actually happens from the political standpoint is another thing. I mean, the Chinese are fairly secretive about their space program, but they're definitely going to Mars. It could literally become the red planet in a few decades' time. And they don't have, NASA has to have lots of publicity to explain to its taxpayers why it's spending their hard-earned dollars. Yeah, that's the difference. And that happened with, with the space shuttle program, I think, didn't it? Happened with Apollo programs as well. They just couldn't justify to the American taxpayer spending so much money. Like, I really miss the space shuttle only because it looked like a proper spaceship. You know, like it came down and it landed and stuff. I really wish they'd go back because it kind of looks like just the normal Apollo rockets, you know, that we saw Neil Armstrong go to the moon. And, you know, they're, they're just the same, whereas the space shuttle kind of looks futuristic. I mean, you could argue all day long about the space shuttle program. Originally, it was a military and civilian program, and then the military pulled out and left, left NASA with this giant thing they didn't really need. It's very expensive to do shuttle missions. It's much easier to do what Elon Musk did for NASA over the weekend, which is build a, a, a simple rocket, crew cabin on top, blast that into space, and it's much cheaper to do that. Um, and that's what's being done at the moment. So it's, it's private rockets now that are being used to service 
when they stopped the space shuttle, NASA had no way, I think it was 2011, 2012, they had no way after that of getting their own people into space. They had to hitch rides on Russian rockets, which they didn't overly promote, but it was a bit embarrassing, I always thought. You know, they're going up to their own $100 billion space station, which they contributed most, probably the lion's share to, and they, they needed a, a lift on somebody else's rocket. So when they got people like SpaceX, uh, Boeing are trying to do it as well, uh, uh, to actually be able to fly them from American soil up to the space station. I'm sure that was a big sigh of relief internally. And that's the way, that's the way of the future, because private companies tend to do things a bit cheaper, and you can have them compete with each other. Whereas when you're just running on a government contract, I won't say the, the, the budget's unlimited, but you can always suffer a few overruns and grumble about it in Congress. It's very interesting. I, I think this has all been very interesting, and I was kind of, I was glad that something space-related happened. But I'm also always, you know, standing out in my back garden. I live in a place that doesn't have that much light pollution, so I'm very lucky. Tell me about the um, big annual star party that's coming up. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the biggest star party that happens in Ireland every year. It's been running over 30 years now. It's like the electric picnic of space. And what we do is <laughs> we get people who own giant telescopes from all over the country to bring them to one point in the dark skies of the Wicklow Mountains. In fact, it's Roundwood. We hire out the entire GAA grounds. We have a huge hall, can see a thousand people for talks, exhibitions, trade stands, all that kind of thing. And we do that just as getting dark. We have a professional caterer provide a barbecue now the event's gotten so big. And then when it's dark, the entire football pitch is full of giant telescopes. These are at least a thousand times more powerful than your eyes. And they're pointed, first things will be Jupiter and Saturn. Saturn's as closest to Earth at the moment. So we get a fantastic view of not just the planet, but its rings and its moons. You can see these through the telescopes from Ireland live. And then Jupiter rises, we'll be able to see it with its cloud belts and its moons. And then when the sky gets really dark, around 9 p.m. or so, you can start to see the wonders of the universe. Star clusters, gas clouds where new stars are being born, ones where stars have just exploded, galaxies. The odd comet comes along, there'll be shooting stars. You can see the Milky Way with the naked eye. We've got a giant laser that shoots a beam 40 kilometers into the air that we can point out the stars and teach people the constellations. So something there to feed your soul, feed your brain and feed your belly. And we invite the entire country along. It's a fundraising event for the society. People bring their telescopes at their, uh, at their, at their own expense just to help us raise funds. You can book tickets and bring the whole family on the website, astronomy.ie. And we'd love to blow your minds with the views you're going to get through the telescopes. Oh, that sounds like an absolutely unmissable event. September 9th sounds very, very good. Yeah, which is only Saturday week. So get onto astronomy.e soon because we have to tell our caterers in advance how many hundreds of people are coming. And is that the best place for people to check out all things astronomy, yes. astronomy.ie? In fact, I meant to mention the International Space Station. You can see it flying over Irish skies at the moment. The only problem is in morning skies. You're looking at five or six o'clock. Uh, alarm <laughs> wake up if you want to see it but for the next couple of days there's 11 people on board because the new four-person crew has just gone up matched to meet the seven that are up there they'll do a bit of handing over and then four of them will come back so it's a unique time to see the space station but it will return to evening skies in the middle of september and on astronomy.e down the bottom you'll see our social media facebook twitter instagram so follow those because we give predictions every day of when to see the space station entirely free and also, if there's any northern lights coming for Ireland, which there aren't 
for the next few days. And sad to say, but we've had some earlier in this year and some last year. And if you're not following us, you'll miss them. Oh, I have to. I know what I uh, follow you uh, on Instagram, and I always like when there's like a super moon or something good because you always get a little bit of a tip, and you tell us exactly the time and where to do it. Well, would you believe? There is there is a super moon Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And it's also a blue moon. So it's a super blue moon, which hasn't happened since 2009 and won't happen until 2037. And we've just put up a little web page about it. People want to send us their photographs for the Astronomy Island magazine. Oh, that sounds just absolutely wonderful. I could talk to you all day about astronomy and about space, but unfortunately, time is against us and I just can't. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland, thank you very much for taking your time to chat to me all things space. All the best. Bye-bye.